button, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> There's one out of the two that we said. <laughs> we were talking before we started recording about, uh, we want to incorporate all the times we, now it's going to be all the times I fucking miss the button and press something else <laughs> on the intro button. And when I went to press that, I hit right in the middle and hit the Leroy Jenkins and the intro button music. So it just really loudly said Leroy, and then the intro music started playing. Excellent. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's tough. I think what I'll do is uh, I just need, I don't know, I need a... Uh, we need something um, quieter mess up to happen, and then we'll put that in the beginning. I just don't want to start the podcast with an air horn sound and a Leroy loudly yelling like jesus this podcast is high energy (laughs) um also go hard goose told me that one of his friends called out how many times i say there it is um so fuck you fucking (laughs) listen to our goddamn podcast and tell me how to do my fucking job bro just kidding i dude when i when i like say when i have a word or a phrase in my head i just like i can't stop saying it like it's it's yeah it's an npc response to like you saying something and me trying to let you know that i'm acknowledging you but yeah it's the I same mean, phrase. and that's why i never said anything because obviously i've known you've been saying this for months yeah and, yeah because i was like i mean shit how many more things has he got left to respond for real I, yeah because because something i like we always talk about how we watch podcast memes to see if we do those things and we don't. Yeah. We don't do a lot of them and I'm proud of us for that. But something that I see in a lot of those memes is the other co-host adding way too much dialogue yeah. to be like, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. I'm still here. You know what I mean? And it, we don't we don't need all that. And I'm not and I don't we want don't all that. I don't want you. I don't want to have to say like yeah or like it's absolutely thirty seven times or something. Yeah. But I also don't need to interject your story. Interject you talking with a whole fucking story of my own because yeah. that's dumb yeah. and stupid. Um, you give the person their time, the time that they're allotted. Um, and one of the th- one of the things that does piss me off. And like, granted, I'm not saying our podcast is like the best podcast ever. Like we uh, we're, we <laughs> we're learning, we're learning, but also like listening to someone tell a story and then like another co-host is like yeah man i know exactly what you what you mean so when i was doing this and it's like shut the fuck up and let this person finish talking or when they're like oh my god so true bro like absolutely yeah i hate that i just want to kill myself i do yeah Yeah. don't makes me want to fucking blow my brain i hate more than uh, enthusiastic affirmation yeah hate it absolutely (laughs) stop just look at me and nod and let me know that you're listening or or be like yeah it sounds good or just say something like one word is fine and that's all i need need two things one rate review subscribe download comment whatever all that we did get mail on oh, the Insta. We? You pull up the email while I'm reading. But we got a message on the Insta. Uh, I won't say their name because they didn't tell me if they should. But they said they watched, they listened to season 12, episode 5, which was, uh, I had that pulled up. That was the Tana Bomb episode. Nice. And also, one of my friends has referenced the Tana Con thing to me several times since we've, like, covered it. Because he was, like, fascinated with oh, really? the whole disaster. Yeah. yeah it was... <laughs> We were because he thought it was really funny how like I was like wait 
weren't they just in a city? Like, why are they dropping yeah. from exposure? <laughs> <laughs> and he just thought it was so funny that he like don't tell adults what yeah, to do. Yeah, what to do? They they'll just, just die. Aimless. <laughs> but they said on that episode they liked your takes on Batman and nine eleven. <laughs> <laughs> In the I love same that episode. combo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they said before they learned about the rich and ACAB, the justice system, that they never got the Batman hype either. Hypermasculine man with a lot of repressed shit. Very exciting. Which we yeah. was what we talked about. Yeah, Batman's fucked up. Yeah, Batman's a and, shower crier. That dude cries in the shower, which is fine. <laughs> but like you know, yeah. he doesn't admit it. And go to therapy. Batman. Yeah, go to therapy. Instead of kicking people trying to make money for their daughter, you're kicking their ass on the street. Yeah, you know, go breaking a drug dealer's arm for no fucking reason. Uh, they also said, uh, very excited, 9-11, uh, you know, we're terrorists, right? And uh, our, they said that their reaction, or our, America's reaction to the event makes them feel a little gross, which is what we were talking yeah, about on yeah. that episode, too. Um, but yeah, you know, I always tell Good takes. viewers, yeah, Good takes. If, if people... Um, you know, co- message us, comment, whatever we will. Yeah, we'll read them. Interact. We also had someone tag us on the Insta on a post about a black hole. I don't know if you saw this I news. Obviously, I already had it days ago. Uh, but it was about a uh, black hole that had like sucked up a star, and then they saw it like ejecting the material, but, like two years later. And they thought that was, they had never seen it That's happen tight. two years later. Two yeah. Years and they were later. really, two years. So I, I looked into it and uh, the article I just sent you is the Harvard EU one. But it's, it's typical uh, of black holes to not consume the whole thing because it's not actually spitting out the yeah. star. It's the parts that are in the accretion disk. Yeah. Yeah. But um, they usually re emit like, 40 days later or like a couple months later not two years later and also those ejections are 10 percent the speed of light but for some reason this one was 50 percent the speed of light and it was really cool i had read about it on reddit and the paper's original author was commenting and answering questions in the thread that's cool it was, it was really sick and everybody was like uh why is this happening? Do we know? And he's like, we have no idea. Hey, that's, like, oh, what's sick. in there? What's in there? That's <laughs> <Yeah>. making it, <laughs> making yeah, it come back out, bro. I, I want to know what's in there. I, Dude, if if they were like, you know, we came up with a way. Oh, also, one someone sent us, one of our regular people usually writes in the email that doesn't want us to say their name, sent us in the email was a link to um, a Reddit post. A new NASA simulation shows the moon may have formed much faster than previously thought over a matter of hours following the collision with a uh, collision of a Mars-sized object with Earth. Oh, so we'll have to watch yeah, it. It's a video. We'll have to watch that. Lis- listeners sending us all this hot space, space yeah. info. But, uh, now if, we're really tapped dude, in. Yeah, if, if the government was like, listen, we... Um, we came up with a way to make sure you'll survive a black hole and uh, to get you there. So we just need someone to go in. And I'll be like, yep. All right. I'll do it. Yep. Sign me up. <laughs> I don't care. Let's go. I'll do it. Live stream the whole thing. My TikTok will explode. Dude. <laughs> I have six GoPros, one for every social media platform. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was uh, some of the more recent fan engagements that we had. 
but otherwise i don't really i don't have any other uh I'm trying to think of uh, in, in that regard any updates in my life uh i rolled my ankle really bad and it hurts Real bad. Oh, wait, what were you talking about with your Iowa party? You made it sound like the Iowa Emo Night night wasn't planned, and then a lot of people showed up. I was confused by their wording in your posts about it. Oh, my post? No, I was just, it was for sure planned. Um, But we, mm, 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 mm. sorry, I'm drinking Starbucks. Um. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you say that on the pod? Yeah. How dare you? you censor that out in the post? <laughs> um, but uh, we just, there was a ton of people there. Like, they like oversold the venue, so it was like over 700 people. And it was kind of oh, like. that's what you're posting yeah, about. It was. It being sold. Okay. Yeah, it was, but it was like a lot of people. And so it was to the point where I was kind of like, I gotta go sit back for a second because there's too many people in this room and I can't breathe. Um, and in Des Moines at Woolies, shout out to them. They're fucking, they're a great venue. I will, I will party at Woolies any day of the week. What was it? What place? Woolies in Des Moines, Iowa. I have worked at Woolies, yeah. Yeah, they're good. Um, but, uh, it's a nice place. They are, they're very nice. Uh, but they have these fucking, like, their, their lighting rig is a bunch of, like, uh, can lights right above the DJ booth that are, like, beaming down on the back of your neck, and you're just like, oh my god, it's, it is the force of a thousand suns. Uh, oh, I did have something. Um, I saw that Channel 5, I don't know, you know about Channel 5, right? Angel Callahan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. My favorite YouTube, favorite content creator alive right now. I, I make sure to watch everything he produces. Nice. He is doing a tour with a lot of the people that he has met because he's super cool and he gives a lot of these, like, a lot of the less toxic, yeah. awful ones like yeah. Alex fucking Jones, an yeah. audience. And uh, he's going to be in Philly, and I'm going to try to go. And we need to talk because he'll do anything for his fans. He's such a weird guy. Yeah. I'm sure we could get him to do something, say something for the pod. That'd be we cool. need to work. We need to think about how we're going to do that. Or we get him on the pod. <laughs> That'd be tight. I would love that. I would love to That'd talk to him. No, he's incredible. Dude, I have a billion questions yeah, for that guy. He is for fucking real. incredible. Absolutely yeah, incredible. I thought I was really excited about that. Uh, otherwise, for my life updates, um, nothing terrible has happened to any of my cars or animals for weeks, which That's is nice. amazing. That's super uh, I got to see my buddy uh, from Kansas. He met me in Baltimore with my because uh, he was working in Virginia at the time. And so I got to hang out with my buddy at the Baltimore Art Museum, which was pretty cool. The Baltimore Museum was, I could tell... Not visited a lot by its residents. Yeah. <laughs> what I was like, you say that uh, they had two not very big parking lots just right on the property, and they weren't full at all at any point oh, on really? a Saturday. On a Saturday, damn. Yeah, and uh, it's not a huge museum, and they don't have like they, they had good works, and there was some nice stuff there. I really liked the. Uh, they had a lot of like really old mosaics, like a couple, you know, a few thousand year old like Greek mosaics yeah. and shit, and those were really cool. I got a pin from one of them, but uh, they don't have like I I remarked to my girlfriend because I was surprised, like not a lot of this is very famous painters. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. people who know are like, yeah, sure, on uh, Matisse and whatever, but like they had like one Monet, and that was probably the only like. 
recognizable artist painting that they had. You know what I mean? It, it was a uh, just, it, but they did have a really awesome contemporary art section. Mm, it had a I lot know. of yeah, a lot of uh, good local artists, and they had this one dude. Oh man, I wish I could remember his name. Have you seen the people who are throwing soup on paintings? I want to talk about that real okay. bad. Uh, but, oh yeah, I wanted to recommend they had an awesome exhibit of Salman Tour, or Tour, it's T-O-O-R, this, Paki- this, this gay Pakistani-American painter, uh, who had like, he did a lot of semi-classical themed paintings, but with like much more modern uh, themes, and yeah. uh, a lot of it was about like his gay identity and stuff, nice. and it was, a, it was a really cool exhibit. He had a lot of like just awesome, really neat paintings. That's lit. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. I, I can't recommend them enough. Uh, as for the throwing painting, throwing paint on paintings, I can't support it enough. I'm going to yeah. come out and say it. And also, yeah, it's well, like people like, serious. you're ruining these paintings. Like, bitch, they're covered in no, glass. You're not. You're not you're no, you're ruining not. shit. Like, no, you're not. Shut up. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, the Mona Lisa. Bro, it hasn't been the real Mona Lisa for like 30 years. Yeah. It's like, they're Fuck just going... And, you, and people go nuts to take pictures of a fake fucking Mona Lisa all, yeah. uh, all year, don't, all don't the time. And yeah, uh, I like I actually had a buddy text me about the paintings today. Oh really? Because because I I have to stay out of the discussions about them on Reddit because they're horrible for my mental health. Yeah. <laughs> because because everybody's like. Oh look! Oh wow! Talking on the shit, and then their bag is made of petroleum. And I'm like, okay, like, sorry that they, you know, like their message isn't gone because their bag isn't made of hemp. Or they're like, what does this have to do with oil? And I'm like, dude, what do you yeah. want them to do? <laughs> like, because you're gonna complain if they go and protest in the street and block traffic, and you're gonna complain if they block you going into Starbucks, bunch of strike breakers, yeah. bunch of union busting whores, and there's there's no good protest for people who don't want to be reminded that our our Earth is like burning to a crisp as yeah. we sit and on it. And I like that people are like, oh, the the argument of what they said and did doesn't matter because they're you know they have a bag that's made of petroleum it's like yeah because i'm a regular person who has to survive and also it's like seven large corporations killing the environment (laughs) (laughs) oh i'm sorry i didn't i like i i I can't plant crops in my backyard and then raise my own hemp and then weave my own fucking bag so then my protest is legitimate to you like it's so fucking dumb and also if they did have all the they checked all the boxes of like oh this is I'm 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 I've got an organic bag and this that and the other. You just call them fucking crazy for not. Yeah, yeah. You call them crunchy hippies. Yeah, for fucking yeah. You wouldn't care. Yeah. My my theory on why so many people are against it is because I think that everybody has kind of just accepted that we're going to destroy the earth and every human in that situation for the most part is just like there's nothing i can do about it because it's the corporations and it's exactly what corporations thrive on your, your yeah. thought process absolutely yeah. want to hear that and like they hate to be fucking reminded that like we technically do have power which is i know it's complicated and hard yeah, but like yeah. we do and i know that we have an agency in how our world is 
being destroyed. Yeah. And and I think people just hate being reminded of that and hate being reminded that it's happening just in general. Like, Jesus, keep talking about the world fucking yeah, melting. Because like, when you're reminded of it, your instant thought is the person that remi- is reminding you that this is happening is blaming you for it happening. And you're like, yes. you're like, I, I want it. And people don't like being told that they're doing something bad, which again, it's, you know, it's, it's not really in a sense. It is something you can control, but it's a very complicated, um, it's not an easily done process, but you yeah. know, we're not blaming you for the world burning to a crisps. Crisp. Like, Jesus. You know, it's like, I'm not like, are you going to tell me that I don't care about the environment? Cause I drive a gas burning car. I'm like, I, are you kidding me? Yeah. I would love a train. I would I would do anything for a train. If I never had to step foot in my car again, I'd be so about it. But every person in America argues that their freedom is taken away. Yeah. That reminds me, too, of another protest related to that is I don't even know if it's real. I kind of feel like most of the posts about it are like right-wing false flag bullshit, but like the deflating uh, truck and SUV tires – have you seen those? No. They'll, they'll like deflate an SUV tire and then post this like usually very smarmy note about how SUVs and trucks are bad for I, the environment. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's fake. I feel like that. I don't believe like, it at all. It's but like at the, the same time, the old guy who fucking burned the flag that he had on his porch and then spray painted "Blacks Rule" on his driveway, and it's like. You just thought everybody would think that was real? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. I think it's mostly fake, but I'm also like, I don't have any problem with people doing that. Because, like, you know, at the very least, what I tell people is you can try. And if you're driving a fucking SUV around for yourself all the time in the city and, and you could have bought a fucking sedan, you're not trying. And you are worse for the environment. You're just, you're doing a little bit worse. You know what I mean? And, uh... Like, just, I, and the thing is, everybody complains about the protesting. I'm like, okay, so then the logical next step is they do something about it. Yeah. And I don't think anybody's going to really like people doing something about it. They're like, it's not the SUV driver's fault, it's the oil company's fault. I'm like, so we blow up a pipeline? Like, is that what you want to do? You're, you're giving me mixed signals here. You either want me to, to, you, you want me to stop protesting in the street, but if I do something more drastic, I'm all of a sudden a terrorist. So I'm afraid to wade into this as a white man doing a podcast, but there (laughs) always, I always goes to the mind. Cause I think about this quote all the time that, uh, Martin Luther King wrote when he was in the Birmingham, Birmingham jail, but it was, he, he complained about white moderates who are people that, who are like, I agree with your message, but not with your methods of direct yeah, action. Yeah. And I'm, I think about that all the time. The people who value order and security more than justice, you know? And I'm like, we are living that right now. Like, people hate to see disorder. And I'm like, well, the orderly way of, like, I don't know, voting for politicians to care about the environment is not working yeah. at all. And, like, we don't have time. Oops. I knocked my water bottle over. We don't have time to just keep fucking around on this. We, there, we lost... We, 20 years ago, we, we didn't have enough time. Yeah. There's a guy... Um, there's a dude by the name of the, uh, the Narcissist Cookbook, which is obviously a play on words for the Anarchist Cookbook, but he has a, a song called The Absolute State of the Union. And... Um, 
it's more of like poetry that he plays guitar to, and it's really good. I suggest you listen to it. I feel like you would like it a lot. But he talks about in in this song, he goes on kind of a, a rant, um, which he admits he was like, I didn't mean to get so on the the protest topic. He was like, but here we are. <laughs> but he basically says like, you know, I was a guy in my early twenties trying to think of uh, uh, some kind of worldview that doesn't where everybody wins and doesn't hurt anybody. And then he got on the topic of, uh, yeah, you just go ahead and rip up that couch by all means. Have at it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but he, <laughs> um, he gets on the topic of, of, of protesting and people standing in the street and protesting. And he's like, you know, by me saying, I don't agree with their their tactics is basically me saying I respect your right to protest until I can't ignore it and yeah, which is exactly. just a, he's like which is just a roundabout way of me saying I don't care about you or what you're protesting um I think it's it's really good it's a really good song you should check it out I am going to check that he out does, that he does cool. he has a lot of he has a lot of really good uh um takes of like talking about how you know, you're telling people to forget about the past of like slavery and people of color being mistreated in this country, but we've got statues of professional fucking racists and slave owners up in people's town square, and you but don't we'll put see up for that reason. Yeah, you don't see an issue. With it. Yeah, yeah. And he talks a lot about uh, uh, Churchwell and how he's he basically says like, you know, I do not. I don't, um, he says, I don't, uh, I don't disagree that Churchwell played a pivotal role in destroying the Nazis in World Churchill. War II. Churchill, yeah, I'm sorry. In uh, World War II, he was like, but he was also a fucking terrible He's person. Awful, he was an awful, awful man who, who yeah. boasted about killing, quote, savages in Sudan and stuff like that and yeah. killed what, like like millions of of bengali people because he took their food away during a famine like that's fucking yeah not a great In a guy similar note uh i just feel like a lot of people if they met teddy roosevelt would probably not have as glowing and beautiful of a view as him i'm like dude he was like a war fiend he wanted to go to the philippines so bad they put him in charge just so he wouldn't commit a crime by going there to fight like <laughs> I was like, dude, he just wanted to shoot people so bad. And yeah. I'm sure, as cool as Teddy Roosevelt is, easily in the top five of presidents, which, you know, not very cool people typically. Uh, so, like, kind of a low bar. But, like, as cool as he is, he's not going to hold up to our understanding <laughs> yeah. of what a cool dude is at all. <laughs> but uh, my last thing I'll say about the protest thing is I've always said, as soon as you are criticizing how someone is protesting – it's the laziest fucking criticism. I'm like, you're not even engaging. You're not even having the discussion. You're basically just saying, I don't know anything about that and can't be bothered to yeah. find out. Yeah. But I, uh, I uh, used to grow up in, growing up in the old conservative household and being in the military. Um, I used to, <laughs> I used to be like, Oh, well you can fucking protest without getting in people's way. Blah, 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 blah. And then I, I know what it always makes me think of what? the, uh, free speech zones that they had during the Iraq war. You know about those? No. Uh -uh. There is a joke about them in Arrested Development, if you've ever seen it. Yeah. Um, let me pull up a pick, pick for you. But it was where they were protesting was a problem, obviously. Um, f so they made... I want to find a good picture of one. They made, like, pens, basically, to put protesters in. And they're like, there you go. There's the protesting <laughs> that you're allowed in your little fucking jail 
basically. And uh, I, I was like, anytime someone's like, oh, you don't need to like get in people's work days, uh, I'm like, so they gotta, where do they go, man? Where yeah. do they fucking go? Yeah. Like, and it, it's like, <clears throat> sorry, hold on, let me clear my throat. It's like, um, it's like, no matter where you are, you're just gonna fucking complain. Someone stop sitting on my laptop, please. God damn it. Um, you're just gonna complain about it. Like, no matter where someone goes to protest, um, you're just gonna be upset about it. And, and that's that. Also, shout out to women in, um, uh, Iran protesting about the mistreatment of, dude, what they did to that woman was fucking terrible. Oh, I mean, they continue. Well, they to continue do. to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's oh, here. Here's this is the free speech zone from the Democratic National Convention of 2004. If you'll notice, what I've posted is a picture of some chain link fence yeah. on concrete <laughs> highway dividers. <laughs> nice and free speechy. Mm. Perfect. Out of the way of anyone Did being do- able to see you. What did you have anything? Did you do the just the Iowa one? I thought you had two shows. Well, it was St. Louis was Saturday, but Austin did that by himself. Oh, uh, you which didn't is go that fine way. because uh, the venue. I'm not. I'm not going to name names, but the venue we go to in St. Louis, it's a really nice venue. But the green room is always so fucking hot for no goddamn reason. Like it's made out of shipping containers, and there's no AC in there. They've got this like they've got this fan that they've like stuck to the wall, and it's just like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, I I watched a I think it was a Vox video on what it takes to make a shipping container into a house, and it usually costs more than a house. Yeah, and you end up with something worse than a house. Yeah, I'd rather just and, have a house. I was like, so I'm like, because they don't, you can't just have a shipping container. It doesn't meet code for like most living things. Mm-hmm. So you describing that green room, I'm like, does, does anybody know that that's their green room? Yeah. <laughs> Is that allowed? I mean, it's got like a bathroom and stuff like that, but it's just like, and it, it cracks me up because something like, I don't want to say something always happens when we go there, but I always get in like, uh, I don't know. It's a weird vibe. It's a, it's a, it's an amazing venue. Like they have the acoustics in there. Perfect. But like last time we were there, I was like walking around and I was trying to find a way out the back door to go to my car and grab something. And I was walking around and I was like, move this barricade to like go through the back door. And the guy, this like staff member comes up and he's like, Hey man, you can't, you can't do that. And I was like, Oh dude, my bad. I'm sorry. He's like, yeah, you can't be back here. You got to go back up to the front. And I was like, cool. I was kind of apparent that he didn't know who I was, and, I, and yeah, I'm not about yeah. to be like, do you know who the fuck I am? Because I'm really like a nobody, but so I was like, alright, man, cool, no worries, like, I will abide by your rules, so. It's gonna be awkward when it's relevant, especially that they know who you are, because I don't know what to say, you know? I'm yeah. like, hey, man, really, though, like, do you know who I am? Yeah, like, <laughs> I have to be back here. Yeah. And so I was like, whatever, dude. Like, I, I'm just going to go to the front. So I went back to the front and, like, went back to the green room and just did whatever. And then show happens, and I get on stage, and we're doing our thing. And I see the guy that said that to me, and he's in the back just looking at me. And then at the end of the show, he was cleaning up, and he, like, came up to me. He was like, hey, man. He's like, I didn't know you were the artist, bro. He's like, you should have said something, and I would have <laughs> let you back there. And I was like, that's cool, dude. I was like, I didn't want to make a big fuss about it. It want to flex nuts. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I don't, want, I don't want you to think I'm an asshole, because I don't think I'm anybody, but it's weird going to a venue and being the artist and being like, yeah. 
like when someone's like, what do you need? Why are you back here? You'd be having to be like, oh, I'm one of the DJs or whatever. It's a weird feeling. That's that a is super weird. weird feeling. I'm not, I'm not primed uh, personally as a human being it's to still, do something Yeah, like that. it's still weird to me when people come up to me in public and are like, uh, like, recognize me from the internet and will like ask me for like pictures and stuff. It's like, I it mean, was really weird to me just getting on your stream for Terraria and the list, the people like asking me questions about the podcast. Yeah. That were, I was like, Oh my God. I think, I think, Oh my God. You guys actually listen. Yeah. To actually listen. Um, I think the best interaction I've had, um, I've met quite a few people who have recognized me from the internet, but one of my favorite interactions was, I was walking into a sex shop and a gentleman was walking out and he looked at me and like kind of smiled. And I thought he like, he kind of like half waved at me and uh, like, that's just sex. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay. I was like, yeah, just a friendly guy, friendly laugh. (laughs) And so I'm about to walk in and he's like snacks in. And I was like, Oh yeah. And we talked for a minute. He said he liked all my content and I think I gave him a sticker or two. Yeah. I was like, bold a, move coming out of the set. <laughs> there was that, uh, was it Vanessa Hutchins? Some, some teen took a picture. Yeah, here it is. Here it is. It was Zac Efron and uh, Vanessa Hutchins. This fan met them, I think, uh, literally in the sex shop and <laughs> asked for, for photos. And Zac, Af- Zac Efron cannot give her anything more... Then like and not a even a smile, face. dog. Not a smile. It looks like they're I don't know, it looks like in there they're in the back of a Spencer's or something like that, but it's still Yeah. The sex I mean, shop. is Spencer's not a legitimate sex shop at all? It, it might know. as well be. Oh. Yeah, isn't it? I mean, it's not I don't think it's primarily a sex shop, but it might as well be. They've got they've got wieners and 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 cooters all over the place, so they might as well be a decent <laughs> sex shop. Uh, do you have any uh, other stuff before we start? I think you were going first this week. I don't, uh, hold on. I don't think so. Um, if I remember, I always have stuff that I like listen to our old episode or something like that. And then I'll be like, oh, I gotta, I gotta remember to say this next episode. And then I don't write it down. So it just immediately out of my head and forget about it. Um, you get GBPs to yourself because yeah, you thought of I it. I thought of it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's no, something. I don't think I have anything. If I do, I'll, I'll interrupt you. Um, or you can interrupt me either or. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I was going to cover. I had a story I was going to cover. And, uh, you know, not trying to save face, but I didn't start my notes until six hours ago. Um, so. But I wanted to cover this one story, but I was it, it and the whole story is basically a person uploading three pages of email exchanges. So I had to like read all of them. I couldn't just get yeah. the cliff notes. So I was like I was like six pages into my notes and I was like, I'm not gonna have time to finish this. So I completely switched gears and picked up another story I thought I was I, I, I had kept in the back of my mind for a rainy day. Um, and that's what I'm covering today. So, uh, where's my dwink? My throat needs, needs lubrication. You got your wets, your dries, you got it all. You got your vape? Yeah, it's right here. All right, thank God. Hold on, you got your backup in case the battery starts dying? Oh, fat Right into the clown. camera, dude, fat cloud. <laughs> 
That's microphone. how you know it's starting. Yeah. Um, I've been I've been really good. I cannot clear my throat. Hold on. I've been really good about uh, um, muting myself while you're talking, while you're telling your story, muting myself and hitting my vape. Because every time I listen to the podcast, I can just hear, like, you can hear my vape just fire in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Ron, I cut my yeah. baby. Ron, I cut. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, um, so today I'm going to be covering a story about how a group of silly gooses nearly tanked the Portuguese economy, uh, like, on, <laughs> <laughs> fucked it Exciting. up, yeah. <laughs> really almost fucked it up beyond repair. It's kind of, it was kind of a genius plan, but, um, all right. So here's the motherfucking deets. So, uh, the head of this whole operation was Arturo Virgilio Alves Des Reis. Um, probably butchered that, but, you know, I'm painfully white. What a fucking name. Anyways, uh, he was born September 8th, 1896. He came from a poor family. Uh, his dad was an undertaker who was a drowning in debt, as we all are. And Arthur just kind of wanted to go to school for engineering and, and, and become a rich guy. Um, and that's exactly what he did, except his first year, he drops out, and he does that to marry a woman named Maria, Maria uh, Azevedo. So, in 1916, he does uh, A-Z-E-V-E-D-O. Azevedo, okay, yeah, yeah. Azevedo. Azevedo. Yeah. Dude, I know All my right. fucking Italian slash Portuguese, whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> Authentic. Um, I've been to Olive Garden once or twice. So, in 1916, he decides to uh, pop on over to Portuguese Angola, which at the time uh, was a Portuguese colony. Um, it's going to be referred to as Angola. So, to become all rich and stuff, he needs a good-paying job. And to get a good-paying job, he needs a good education. But our fucking boy dropped, dropped out, out yeah dropped out of college so what does he do obviously he forges a diploma from oxford <laughs> yeah from oxford university's polytechnic school of engineering a department that did not in fact exist and it's like Jeez. just do some fucking research bro oh, like, hey, yeah. off to a bad start. it's like these dudes just like they they will think of something that sounds like a good smart name and then just go with it and they're like yeah that probably exists like just it, I guess I guess it would just cover your ass so hard yeah. if it existed. I understand that maybe in the this time it's a little harder to get some, you know, to get a to get a research done on this quickly. So you'll like you'd have to send letters or something or talk to somebody, but um, still, well, you're, you it's worth was? it. This was um, 1916. Okay, All so right, it's yeah. you know pre. We sent a telegram. Yeah, Shit. I guess that's true. Um, so as soon as, uh, he does all that, you know, he does all that to start his job as a public employee in the public sewer con sewers, construction and repairs, uh, sector. So I guess you need a degree from Oxford's polytechnic school of engineering for that. Um, anyway, so the years pass and in 1922, uh, homeboy attempts his first lick what he does is basically there's a railway company in the area that was in a financial crisis uh debt and shareholders were uneasy and the company's shares had fucking tanked uh to only a few escudos a share 
Um, Arthur finds out that the Portuguese government had lent the company's treasury $100,000 in an attempt to bail it out. So what does he do? Um, Excuse me. He quickly forges checks from his bank account in New York and buys the company with them. While the checks are traveling by sea to said bank, uh, which takes fucking weeks because this is olden times, um, he transfers the money in the company's treasury to his bank account, and lo and behold, the check's clear. So uh, it was pretty smart, uh, honestly. Like, not a bad move. Yeah, not bad. Um, so, uh, where was I? He forged checks and paid for them? Yeah, so he, yeah, he forged checks. He knew that the company's treasury had that hundred grand in their account, so he bought the company with the forged checks, moved that money to his account, so the checks cleared, so he would still technically own the company. Yeah, that's crazy. Wait a minute. Yeah. So he kind of legitimately bought it. Did he make money, or did he lose it? I can't understand. Well, he... He, he, I guess, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know how much he bought the company for. He knew he knew yeah, the company yeah. was in shambles, so he knew he was going to get a deal on it. And so I imagine he made money with 100000 and the company so didn't take funny. up all. Yeah, it's crazy. So That's a good scam. <laughs> it is, it is. So uh, the check's clear. The remaining money from the transaction he used to try and take over the Angola Mining Company, but was found out before he could take total control of the company and was arrested in July of 1924 for embezzling the railway money. He was only in jail for 54 days and released... Not embezzling if you own... No, I, if you didn't I, own I, the company yet? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think <laughs> Then it's just stealing if, if you didn't yeah, own, yeah. <laughs> own the company. Yeah. Um, so he's released after 54 days in jail because of a technicality, um, which I don't know what a technicality is in 1820 or 1922. It's like, I don't know, the only witness died of like cholera or something like that. Um, So Arthur obviously blamed a vast and insidious conspiracy for his arrest. Uh, But, you know, he made a big stink about it and was like, all right, I guess I'm on to the next thing. So he went about his business, uh, and but don't be fooled that 54 days in jail was not for nothing because... While he was behind bars, he conceived one of the most notorious scandals in Portuguese history, and would become known that would become known as the Portuguese Portugal banknote affair. So, Arthur, That's a good name. yeah, it is a really good name. Sounds cool. Uh, is that a band? Yeah, right. <laughs> That'd be a good band name. Um, so the idea of the scam was fairly simple. Let's just print more money. But it was a little more complex than your run-of-the-mill counterfeiting operation. What our boy decides to do is start off by forging a contract from the Bank of Portugal that would basically authorize him to print banknotes in return for an alleged uh, in return for an alleged loan um, from a consortium uh, consortium to ve- to develop Angola. So basically, <clears throat> excuse me. This contract states that. Um, he can print these bank notes to invest in Angola and make it like an actual, because right now it's just a colony, but like basically invest it, build it into like an actual city and shit. Holy so, shit. I feel like he's getting into some pretty big dicey yeah. stuff there. So he planned to use this forged contract to convince legitimate banknote printing contractors to make the notes. Thus, Arthur would receive bank notes that would be indistinguishable from those that had been legitimately authorized by the bank. So obviously, this all needs to be hush-hush. 
Big time hush hush. So Arthur, uh, Arthur, I keep calling him Arthur, but his name is Arthur. Arthur. Um, so Arthur reaches out to some business contacts to assist him in 1924. He tells these gentlemen that he's been tasked with a confidential mission for the governors of the Bank of Portugal. He draws up the forged contract and has it officially notarized by an assistant notary who didn't even look over the damn document. And he was just like, sure, yeah, I'll sign it, whatever. Fuck off. He didn't. I'm a little surprised he yeah. didn't just Usually, forge that. Yeah, I, <laughs> too, to be honest. Um, like, I'm, I got to do this legit. Yeah, I got to go do this forged document legit. Um, so, which apparently at the time was a pretty universal way to notarize stuff because he then received three certifications for the notarization in the embassies of Britain, Germany, and France. Um so, yeah, so he rewrites the contract with a French translation, forges the signatures of the Bank of Portugal officials, literally tracing them from some money he had in his pocket. He affixes the notarizations and adds two new bills as samples to the contract. So, everything's looking legit. Uh, so, Artur is uh, the only one who knows that this contract is forged. All of his business associates, they don't know. They, they think this is a legitimate thing. Um, insane. Yeah, they don't dude, know at all. That would make me. I would be sick with anxiety yeah, dude, all yeah. the time. Holy shit! So one of the reasonings is that everyone knew that government officials had a reputation for at the time. Well, not at the time, still, but for being corrupted and partaking in the occasional self dealings. And because of that, he was able to convince those who assisted him that they had the full clandestine support of the bank. So. These are uh, a few key players in this uh, in in Artur's circle. So they were Dutch trader Carl uh, uh, Marang. Oh, Jesus, hold on, Carl Marang van Jisselveer. That's what I'm gonna go with. That's sounds good. His name yeah. is Carl. Um, and then we have <laughs> uh, we we're have, just gonna call you Carl. Yeah, just but. Carl. So we have a German trader Adolf Hennies. And then Jose Ben Adolf, yeah, good old Adolf, the, the yeah. good old days yeah, good before, old, we- <laughs> yeah, before that name was ruined. They don't make names like yeah. they used to. <laughs> uh, and then good old Jose uh, Bendira, uh, whose brother just happened to be the Portuguese ambassador to the Netherlands. So again, uh, they all thought this was a legit project. I mean, they had all kinds of they they all of them had kind of a shady past, but and they had no problems doing like more shady shit but they thought it was 100 percent. they they thought the operation was 100 percent legit they just thought you know these bankers are doing this to kind of line their own pockets so we can't talk about it but it's all legit and happening through the proper channels which is crazy dude that is crazy so he like relied on the assumption that he was scamming a little bit as a tree mm-hmm that's exactly complex yeah. shit. <laughs> so, um, so Meringue approaches an old and respected Dutch printing firm for the job. After reviewing the sample notes, the firm's like, "Hey, listen, guy, we know who printed these. Um, it's the Waterloo and Sons uh, Limited out in London. And uh, since the notes are going to be, you know, identical to the existing ones, just go out to Old Waterloo and have them print them." They suggested this because. Uh, Waterloo already had the plates for the banknotes, and it would be almost impossible to reproduce the plates exactly and have an exact replica. So, uh, on December 4th of 1924, Meringue approaches Sir William Waterloo along with a letter of introduction from the prior Dutch printing company, 
Meringue explains that for political reasons, the contract required the utmost discretion and promised that Waterloo would receive appropriate docu- documentation shortly. So they received the letters that authorized the printing, which was just more forged documents from Archer. And uh, the company accepts the contract, and they're like, let's go, dude. Let's make it happen. Um, so this entire plan was going rather swimmingly. So Archer had managed to correct, correctly work out the sequence of bank governor names and serial, serial numbers used by the Portuguese central bank. But he had neglected to eliminate serial numbers that had already been ordered, which is going to be an Aww. issue. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Waterloo realizes that some of these bills had the same same numbers as previously printed banknotes, and is like, "That's a little weird." So, um, we'll get that on the, the, big the jobs. yeah, you'll have that on the big jobs. But it says that they notified the bank, which was just Archer, um, and uh, yeah, and Ar- <laughs> yeah, and Archer assured the company that since the word Angola would be overprinted on the new notes. Because apparently these banknotes were only going to be for colonial circulation. They were going to only be for Angola colony. uh, That the repeating serial numbers would be no issue at all. Spoiler alert, they would be. So the firm actually sent a letter to the real Bank of Portugal about this whole serial number debacle. About time Um, someone reached out to them. Yeah, (laughs) which would have caused Arthur's scheme to crumble, but in a fucking stupid stroke of luck, the letter got lost in the mail and never showed up. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, well, well, and then they never followed up. Yeah, never followed up. "Ah, Yeah, whatever. We sent him the letter. They didn't respond. It must be cool. The, the mail is infallible. Yeah, so absolutely. That's yeah, implicit. So the firm ended up printing two hundred thousand banknotes of the five hundred Portuguese escudos, which the the uh, from my understanding, the five hundred Portuguese escudos is the name of the banknote. It's five hundred escudos. Uh, oh, so okay, yeah, not like okay. there was five hundred in circulation. But why would you do? I that? don't know, dude. Uh, yeah, welcome. <laughs> Welcome to one hundred dollar bill bank. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so dumb. So printing two hundred thousand of those banknotes was the equivalent of zero point eighty eight percent of Portugal's nominal GDP at the time. Um, that's something. Yeah, it's quite a bit. That's uh, something. Like, uh, like they printed so many of these fucking bills that there were almost as many false five hundred escudos that there were real ones, um, which oh, is not great. God. So, the first uh, delivery of these false notes gets delivered in February of 1925. The notes were transported from England to Portugal without raising any awareness, partially because Archer's accomplice, Jose Bandeira, would use his brother's diplomatic advantages, and Carl Morang also had a diplomatic passport that he got from Liberia, issued by Liberia. After a shipment of banknotes were received, Archer would then launder the bills into gold-backed foreign currency and smaller denominations of the Portugal currency, which is uh, smart as shit, dog. So, Archer would receive 25% of the proceeds of his scam, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it was enough to make him incredibly wealthy. Yeah, I would say, I mean... He has a quarter of 1% of yeah. a country's GDP. Yeah, I mean, that's not bad. So he moves on to phase two of his little con. And him and his partners, who still think this is a legit operation, create the Bank 
of Angola and Metropole in June 1925. They did this. I just uh, confirmed for a relevant uh, contemporary equivalent that Elon Musk's worth is equivalent to 1% of the U.S. GDP. No shit, really? Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. That's, that's fucking yeah, horrible. That's Absolutely. You know what? He scammed just as much as this motherfucker did. True. Very true. Um, so they create this bank. They did this. Hold on. Had to clear my throat. Uh, But they did this because it would help. It would be an incredible help in getting their bills into circulation. And the bank would help them invest in projects in both Portugal and Angola. They begin investing heavily in currency, land, buildings, and businesses. And he he and his uh, accomplices created a huge boom in the Portuguese economy. Arthur Bot. Hey. Yeah, I, I mean, it's doing some good, but in uh, my, <clears throat> me per so like, I, I kind of see the logic of like flooding the market with your dollars, yeah. right? Because then you're like, you guys are stuck with my mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think what I would do is buy as much physical things as I could. I would probably just buy a bunch of gold and bury it everywhere. So when I'm inevitably arrested for this scam part, I at least have wealth secured. But when you own, like, buildings and shit, you know, they can... I'll take that shit away from you. Yeah, they take that immediately. You can't take my gold away because it's buried in the woods. Yeah, it's buried in the woods somewhere. (laughs) You don't know. So, um, Arthur bought... uh, Hold on one second to clear my throat. It's the damn coffee that I was drinking. That's the issue. Not there good for is, my health. I need to find it. There was a uh, guy who stole a bunch of gold, and then he hid it, and and the, he won't tell him where it is. Really? So Dude, that's that, Yeah. I mean, and Ballard. they're like, well, fucking, come on. <laughs> Just tell us where it's at. Just tell us. No. Uh, I've read. Uh, <laughs> no. I've I've read stories like that, like people's like grandparents lived in poverty and then when they died they went and like started doing something and digging up the yard and started finding just like jars of like gold and silver and cash because they didn't trust the banks which understandable yeah especially because the banks apparently just fall for stupid bullshit like this an entire yeah an entire country (laughs) fucking got turned upside down for this um so uh, so Archer bought the Palace of the Golden Boy, which was a big deal, apparently. Apparently, nowadays, it's the building of the British Council in Lisbon. Uh, he also bought three farms, a taxi fleet, and spent an exuberant amount of money on jewelry and expensive clothing for his wife, as is tradition. So, yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do. Area lady. Yeah. So, his associate, Jose Bandera, bought retail shops and invested in all sorts of different companies. He also attempted to purchase a big Portuguese daily newspaper, but was not successful in doing that. I just fucking lost my place. That's incredible. I hit one thing on my keyboard, and it was like, we're going to the top, buddy. Um, So, hold on. Uh, He wasn't successful in doing that. There we go. So, um... In the fall of 1925, Artur and Hennies basically go on a buying tour. And they travel all around Angola buying properties, investing in corporations, and making huge development plans. They were buying, they were putting a shitload of money back into, oh my god, dude, I'm dying, hold on. It's been a uh, rainy weather and, and getting cold. 
and I think I'm feeling the effects from it. Even though I love the cold, but the season change always kicks my ass every time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they went on this buying spree and uh, making huge development plans. They were putting a shitload of money back into Angola, and people loved them for it. But Artur wasn't quite done. He still needed a way to fully cover up what they had done, so he decides he is going to see what he can do about buying controlling interest in the Bank of Portugal. This would allow him to basically make his fictitious contract and bank approval all true, and the whole thing would effectively be swept under the rug and deemed as legitimate. So during the summer and fall of 1925, while he and his boy were on their shopping spree, um, Bandera and his own assistant are seeing what they could do, how you know what they could find out about the ownership of bank shares since it was private information, and then buying them under the super complicated rules that the bank's charter allowed. So eventually, they controlled ten thousand of the forty-five thousand shares needed to needed for controlling interest of the bank. This has garnered this had garnered some publicity though, and because of this, Bandera eased off of the purchase purchases, but he didn't stop reporting to Archer that they were still buying shares and inflating the number oh. of shares they had acquired. So throughout 1925, rumors of fake fake banknotes had kind of been going around, but were never proven to be true because the banknotes weren't theoretically fake. They were real. They were real as they could be, just they weren't so authorized. Weird. <laughs> Where they're not this technically counterfeit. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, so even though the unauthorized banknotes remained undetected, Archer and his partner's spending had attracted the attention of some fat cats. The opening of the bank raised some eyebrows because Henny's, uh, Arthur's associate, had held he held a really important position in the bank because he was one of the founders. Uh, and everyone was like, that's a little weird because Henny's had a well-established relationship with Germany, Germany's espionage apparatus during World War One. So they're like, mm, that yeah. might be a little weird. Uh, why is this yeah. guy part of a bank here in Portugal? And the act of them going around and buying up large parcels of land attracted the attention of a man, Alfredo de Silva, who controlled Port Portugal's market in vegetable oils. De Silva had a friend and business associate, associate by the name of Piera de Rosa, who had just so happened to have a seat on the board of banks that were now losing business to Angola and Metropole, the bank that, they, that the boys had opened. So, Rosa has also owned uh, O Seculo, which was uh, the top daily newspaper at the time, and it raised some suspicion that a deep-pocketed investor had come in and tried to acquire their competitor, um, the uh, newspaper that Jose Bandera had tried dude, to buy earlier. Yeah. He was stepping on big yeah, toes. Yeah, big, big toes. So, it's kind of crazy, cause, like... That's that's the only thing that puts any pressure on him. Like he's kind of clear of the government. Like yeah, well, yeah. no no government official is gonna go and like, oh, this bill's wrong. Yeah, and exactly. Work their way up that it's over. Yeah. But now he's pissing off other rich people and who, now he's in trouble. Yeah, in who have trouble. good connections as well. Oh so God. um Oesculo assigns its top reporters to dig into the bank as well as look into Archer, and with that it was the it was the beginning of the end. So reporters They're like, Well, his degree is fake. Yeah, so, so that pretty much tells you started. all you know. yeah. <laughs> So reporters found it odd that Archer's bank was able to give loans with such low interest rates and not have the need to receive a deposit. 
At first, it was starting to, uh, to it, so at first it was starting to be implied that the bank, like I said, was a German front aimed at infiltrating the country and gaining control of the Angolan colony. Reporters yeah, all they felt the Germans Dude, were yeah, very yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So uh, reporters also made public the fact that the inspector of banking commerce had opened an investigation shortly before the newspaper's own digging began. The inspector's investigation was looking into attempts by people associated with Angola and Metropolitan Bank to buy up shares of the Bank of Portugal, and things started to get quite heated. Yeah. So now, on December 4th, 1925, a money changer, whatever the fuck that is, in Porto, who had been heavily following the bank crusade in the press, suddenly has a light bulb moment and becomes convinced that Angola and Metropolitan Bank must be counterfeiting money somehow. Lucky for him, his employer was on uh, one of Archer's unwitting money launderers. Um, so basically what, what they would do is the Angola Bank illegally bought foreign exchange from him at a premium, which was illegal to do in Portugal at the time, but it was one of those crimes that everyone just kind of like knew about but didn't do anything about because everyone did it. Um, anyways, the teller reports to the Porto branch of the Bank of Portugal – uh, that he believes that the uh, that Archer's bank is making counterfeit bills, even though they, you know, they even though he doesn't know how, they still kind of took it seriously and sent that information up the chain that a report of counterfeiting okay. came through. Um, so on December fifth of nineteen twenty five, the Oasculo newspaper releases a story about the scandal. A day before that, on the fourth, the Bank of Portugal had sent their inspector to Porto to investigate the huge deposits of 500 Escudo notes that Archer's bank had sent in. After all this fucking work and banging their heads against the wall, by a stroke of luck, they finally noticed that there were two banknotes with the same serial number. Oh. Yeah. Authorities immediately ordered all banks to sort their notes by order of serial numbers to detect any duplicates, and after that, duplicate notes started being found by the dozens. Oh, yeah. Dude, I bet every one of those reporters went and checked their bills oh, before dude, they yeah, put that yeah. story out. <laughs> the Bank of Portugal contacted Waterloo and Sons, and Archer's scam became no more. It was gone. So on December 6th, Archer's banks... Uh, Ar uh, so the, the, the banks that Archer started, its wealth was confiscated by law enforcement, and arrest warrants were issued for him and most of his cronies. Archer and Hennies were on board a ship en route to Portugal from Angola when they were told that there had been warrants issued for their arrest and they were to be arrested at the harbor. Hennies was like, fuck that, and did the old DC dip and twirl and managed to evade arrest, but Archer's dumbass was like hell-bent on going and defending himself, and he was arrested a few days later. He was 28 at the did time. Did he not think he committed a crime? Dude, right? I don't, I'm like, Whoa, what, you said what, he was 28? 28 at the time he was arrested. Oh, yeah. Young man. He got in deep for 28. Yeah, that dude. is not. That's like a... That's like something a 50-year-old who's been in the yeah. game pulls off. Exactly. Not, a fucking dude. dude in his 20s. How do they unwind it? So, so did they go. So during the, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. So during the trial, Archer's perfectly forged documents and widespread. Uh, uh, blah, 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 blah. Hold on, sorry. So Archer's uh, during the trial, Archer's perfectly forged documents and widespread cynicism about the na nation's elite were enough to convince judges to suspect that the bank of that Bank of Portugal officials and other members of the government were in on the scheme as well. And this delayed the sentencing for five fucking years. Um, 
Ar- oh, wow. Yeah, Archer was finally tried on May of 1930. He was convicted and sentenced to 20 years in prison. He was released <sighs> May of 1945 and was actually offered a job as a bank employee, but he turned it down. He died of a heart he's attack. He's like, I can't. Yeah. He's like, I can't get back yeah. in there, man. <laughs> he died of a heart attack in 1955. Bang. He got 10 years after. Dang, yeah. that's I mean, served 15 years, avoided all of yeah. World War II. Yeah. Got to live Good. the richest man alive he ever was going to mm-hmm. touch for so, like six years. So Bandera, Plus he probably buried he, a bunch of I would say he probably had money when he got out, too. Like, there's His no wife's covered in diamonds. Yeah, also true. Something. And expensive clothes, bro. You're good. So Bandera was sentenced to 15 years in the slammer. Um, after release, he dips his toes into the nightclub business a little bit. He dies in 1960. Meringue was tried in the Netherlands and sentenced to 11 months in prison. Uh, Netherlands, dude, Netherlands dude, baby, they're on yeah. another level. Yeah. That's my retirement. So, yeah, go to the, the Netherlands. The yeah. Netherlands. <laughs> so he planned. He uh, he actually decided to leave the country rather than serve prison time. It wasn't specified if that was like an option or he just fled. I don't know. But uh, it's a weird way to free. If yeah, the yeah, yeah. Fleeing. Also, like. <laughs> 11 months and you're just like i'll just leave the country like you can't spend 11 months bro, in jail bro. In, a nor- in, a in a norwegian, norwegian, prison. norwegian it's prison. Really sick so he later purchases he purchases a small electrical manufacturer in france and eventually became a well-respected person in the industry he turned the firm over to his sons and he died in 1960 so wow hennies that's a happily ever after for that dude, yeah right um, so Hennies fucks off to Germany and reappears under his real name, Hans, uh, Hans Doring. Uh, he had a nice little nest egg, but eventually lost most of it due to bad investments. He turns over all of his assets to a trusted friend, uh, but that trusted friend fucks him over, obviously. No. Yeah, and he lives There's at, no trusted dude, friend no. needs yeah. all of your things. Exactly. And he lives in near poverty until his death in 1936, and circumstances of his death are still disputed. So, Archer managed to introduce uh, excu- Archer managed to introduce Escudo banknotes worth over twelve. Or I'm sorry, one million pounds. And the exchange rate says that it's around sixty-one point two million modern pounds into the Portuguese oh, economy. Yeah, shit. exchange rate of the Portuguese Escudo fell and lost much of its credibility. The Bank of Portugal ordered the withdrawal of all five hundred Escudo banknotes, and within twenty days, oh, yeah, within twenty days, okay. one hundred and fifteen thousand uh, counterfeit notes were withdrawn. Archer's scheme had caused the public to had, have zero confidence in the Portuguese government and was a yeah. major factor in the nationalist military and the fall of the Portuguese First Republic, uh, which, you know, caused, the whole, caused a whole coup and everything like that. So over, they, and it installed a dictatorship in their country. Sorry yeah. because I wanted to make a little money instead of just finishing college. Yeah. It, that, it pretty much so dude you weren't even kidding this is like some goofball shit yeah that, like upset bananas. the whole country yeah, yeah. <laughs> um destabilized a fucking country because you don't want to go to college um the bank of course <laughs> the bank of portugal sued waterloo and sons in the high court in london which i think is bullshit they how were they supposed to know that it was a fraudulent contract it was one of the most complex trials in English history. The case was finally settled in the House of Lords in favor of the bank, which which was awarded over six um, 
the, I, I guess I accidentally wrote out, wrote out over 600 pounds in damages, but I'm pretty sure it's 600,000. That's certainly 000. true. Yeah, 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 it's true. <laughs> Not wrong. Yeah. It's very safe if you can't look it up in yeah, time. Yeah. Over 600. Over 600, but I'm pretty sure it's six. I meant to put 600K. In damages, Waterloo and Sons never completely recovered, and the business was acquired by De La Rue, a company that designs and prints big notes. Sir William Waterlow was dismissed as president of the printing house when the uh, takeover happened, but he did go on to be elected as Lord Mayor of London in 1929. So oh, shit. Okay. That's doing fucking fine. Yeah, yeah. But that is the Portugal banknote affair that destabilized That's, the nation and installed a, a fascist dictator. That is a fucking mess. Yeah, fucking bananas, dog. It's like, you know, I don't know. They, who was to blame for this? Whose fault was this? I mean, I think it's it's, a lot of people missed this. Yeah, a lot of people missed it. But if like if you got to put the blame on somebody, it's got to be criminal. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I would say it's got to be. It's fully. He was pretty much the only one who knew. It's speculated that his fucking cronies kind of caught on in the middle of it that like what they were doing wasn't actually completely legitimate um and i don't think i disagree with the decision that waterlow should pay the bank six hundred thousand pounds i was surprised by that because they did their due diligence and tried to alert the bank it wasn't their fault that the postal system fucked everything up we we made the point, if you're going to sign a contract for a nation state to develop its own economy, send two letters? Yeah, maybe send a couple letters. Actually, that's kind of... Or that's, just a guy. Yeah, just yeah, one say, guy to go somebody to go and be like, this is legitimate, right? Uh, yeah, that I don't think they did their due no, diligence. I there. guess that's yeah. fair. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, I like how it's the most complicated thing, and they're like, bro, you didn't call anybody? Yeah, you didn't Are fucking you... <laughs> send a telegram or anything? What's wrong with you? Uh, that was a good one. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, that's, that's an insane story. On another scale. Yeah. I don't think we're going to have a lot of con artists that get yeah. to that level. <laughs> Destabilize a fucking What did country, that remind dude? me of? What did we talk about? I want to say the disasters thing. That was like a fairly small disaster, but like changed their whole country. There was, I mean, because I don't want to. I don't think it was the bomb one because the in Beirut because that was a huge disaster. Yeah, yeah. Their uh, country was already kind of like crumbling. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, when uh, when we said the word destabilize, it reminded me of talking about that 9/11 documentary that we I t- I was watching, and we basically you said something along the lines of um, de- we basically destabilized a country as a CIA pet project. That's what yeah, it reminded oh. me of, but I don't. I, don't, oh, I can't remember yeah. if there was a disaster that was minimal, kind of, but ended up having super bad repercussions. Because I mean, the some of them were kind of like that, like the uh, candy, the candy disaster, or the crush. Oh yeah, the Victoria Hall disaster. Yeah, yeah. they didn't. That's when they made the. Oh no. Was that the, the one the, the Victoria, the crash bars? Yeah, the Victoria Hall disaster led to the crash bar doors being created because that dude. But I don't think crash bars are like the biggest thing. I mean, they're pretty. I mean, but how many buildings you go into that don't have a crash bar door? 
somewhere in their building. There, it's everywhere, especially in commercial businesses. Like fucking co- every concert hall you go to has them. Fucking every uh, grocery store has them. I mean, now I guess I guess mainly grocery stores are sliding oh, glass doors that I, you can pull open. Maybe the Cleveland Clinic fire didn't that like get them a fire departments? Isn't that like what started that? That's what started. Thing? Yeah, as a public fire department. Like yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. And then them carrying gas masks. There was a couple of them that was like that. A lot of the stories we covered on that season started like. Um, Big change. Change. It was yeah, uh, and like systemic changes. The, like- the circus Toronto riot caused them to compl- start a modern police force is because they fired. Maybe, everybody. Yeah, I think that's what I was thinking about. That's what I was thinking about because they fired everybody. Yeah, because that was insane. That was a cool theme of that. Last yeah, it was. Season, it was good. We always yeah, it was a nice surprise. Except for the Russian Navy, they didn't change, <laughs> change anything. Barely changed yeah. anything. It's still the same track. They're like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But it was incredibly <laughs> broke. It was so broken <laughs> the whole time. They just were never allowed to tell anybody about it. Exactly. Uh, all right, you ready for mine? Yeah, let's hear it. I'm covering the ADE-651 bomb detector. Uh, I had nice. a few different sources. I had Vanity Fair, Guardian, BBC, Tufts.edu, New York Public Library. I found an article. Uh, oh, and they hosted some good content there, too. But That's So anyway, our story starts with this uh, handy little five-ounce plastic toy called the Gopher, the amazing golf ball finder. Simple-looking device. Little plastic square with a free swinging antenna on it that can just like pivot back and forth. And uh, you turn it on and rotate around, and the antenna will pivot to the golf ball. And uh, you'll and you just follow that until you find it. Okay. Uh, I mean, but it's just a free swinging antenna. Yeah, yeah. If it pivots, it's because you turned your hand. Um, so if you tilt it right, the antenna is going to go right. According to the sales pitch, however, this five-ounce, eight-dollar toy uh, used nuclear quadrupole resonance, electrostatic attraction, and/or low-frequency radio waves in bouncing off of the ionosphere. It's got it all. Scan for the golf ball element. What? Like all golf balls contain the same element that isn't in anything in other materials. Of course. Uh, So it's basically like a Ouija board. Dude, I know. I know. Someone bought that. Some rich, some like dude bought that and was like just hyping hyping it up on his friends. He's like, yeah, don't worry. I'll find your golf ball. I got this. And just like, (laughs) they're just study. Yeah, study the manual and was just reciting everything he fucking. Like, dude. We can see that you're just looking for the golf ball. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I mean, it's like an electronic dousing rod. You don't think you're moving it, but you totally are. Um, Long story short for this portion of the story, it was eventually transformed into a detection device using carbocrystallized software cards to find guns, explosives, and drugs. What? The, The cards were programmed by photocopying a Polaroid of the target and, and cutting that and pasting it in between two squares of plastic. <laughs> and, uh, and they sold them. Do you see how I told you the scam yeah, was very yeah, obvious? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they sold them for between $408,000. damn. So by 1996, the FBI declared it a fake, got an injunction preventing it from being sold. The company, QuadroCorp, had three execs who got charged with mail fraud and conspiracy to commit fraud, but were miraculously all acquitted. Oh! I couldn't... 
I tried to find info about the uh, the case and couldn't really get a lot, and I was just baffled. Like no one explained how that could fucking be. Yeah, that all three of those dudes got out of that. I think maybe it's like they weren't able to prove they knew it didn't work. I don't know, but it's so obvious. It's got to be some kind of technicality or something because yeah, we got a lot of stories about big wig people getting off on it's their true. crimes but when you fucking defraud like the military and stuff like that and like like law enforcement they're gonna fuck you every which way to yeah. Sunday as like a to make a they'll literally make things up yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh so as a weird fun fact one of these three people was lawyer guy womack who later represented specialist charles grainer in the 2003 prisoner abuse scandal uh, during the iraq war oh really just that dude was in the shadiest yeah. shit Jesus i was like you're Christ. so gross yeah. god it's like you seek out shady stuff like, you're like, <laughs> yeah. i want to i want to i want to get in on that yeah let me uh, in yeah, on yeah, that i'm good i want to defend the person who killed a prisoner yeah absolutely so uh, since no one got in trouble, the they I, again multiple articles called this guy the secretary of the company. I felt like maybe there was more to his title. I didn't think he just like wrote I, whatever. Yeah, but yeah. Malcolm Stig Rowe went abroad and just set up two new companies to produce the exact same product. What uh, really? While, uh, yeah, duh. ballsy. ballsy. <laughs> well, other distributors. Like, people that they'd used to distribute the original ones, they were like, fuck it, I'll just go make these myself and start their own business. Two other people did that. Um, America, one of these, baby. Well, at this point, they're not in America anymore. Uh, so, one of them made a company, or a copy, called the Mole Programmable Substance Detector. <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was recording... Us doing the podcast, my bad. Promo, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is where the inventor of the ADE-651 comes in, Mr. Jim McCormick, former police officer who used to sell communications equipment, didn't go to college, doesn't know dick about shit. Yeah, obviously. I know he didn't go to college. He's a former police officer. <laughs> Duh. Get him. Yeah. <laughs> um, old Jimbo here had himself a company called Broadcasting and Te- Telecommunications Limited, which he then changed to Advanced Tactical Security and Communications, Dude, uh, I, love, I love businesses like that that just put as many, like, cool-sounding words in their business yes. name. It's like I was driving one time, and I saw uh, this truck that was, like, Alpha Dog Roofing Company, and it's like, why or like command like I was yeah. like Alpha Dog Commando roofing, roofing company. company. I was like, what the fuck Tactical is it? Yeah, yeah. Like one time there was this, a gun website that I had saved for a while because it was like a gun sales website because they were like supposed to be like for security companies, but the website was so jank and they mislabeled so many things nice. and they like sold stuff. Like theoretically, I could buy a gun from them. And I'd saved it forever. And later, I was reading about, if you remember during the um, abyss of history where 200 years happened from 2016 to 2020, (laughs) there was this period of time where some American people went to try to invade Venezuela and uh, overthrow its government. And they were associated with that gun company. What website. really? That's crazy, yeah. dude. And I was like, like it was supposed to be the same company that like sponsored it. And That's I was like, wild, bro. Fuck? That's insane. and then I was like, I had this bookmarked. Am I in trouble? Yeah. <laughs> like, they just tried to overthrow a foreign government. Was it? Was it you that was telling me about? Um, 
excuse me, sorry, was it you that was telling me about the Civil War people who just went to Brazil and after the Civil War? Um, so I don't I, think I, so. No, someone was telling... I don't know who would have told me that then, but I was... Because a vid- YouTube video popped up on my feed about Southern you know, Confederate soldiers and, and people who lived in the Confederacy left and started their own like new America in Brazil. And it's a Patriot dude. Yeah. What right. Yeah. Patriots. But it's the weirdest <laughs> thing because they're, you know, there was a couple thousand of them and a lot of them went back to America cause they were like, we don't like it here, but a lot of them did stay. And it was the weird, it's the weirdest thing. Cause the, there's an interview with these people and they're like old white people, but they have like these like hybrid American Brazilian accents, dude. I'll have to like send you the video. It's the fucking weirdest thing ever. I like how Brazil has both American Confederates and Nazis. Yeah, and SKBs. Nazis, bro. Yeah. Brazil has weird Dude. genes over there. <laughs> uh, so, it, yeah, he set up his cool company. In 2000, he finds the mole, the which is, as we know, the golf finder, and is keenly interested in it. Naturally. So interested in it amazingly that he spends 10,000 pounds to buy a single unit of it. What? So my take on this at this point was that he thought it was real, which is insane. He's clearly a stupid man. He was a police officer. Yeah. You didn't do any research on this company that he spent $10,000 on this device. And which dude, I don't care what you know about technology. If you think you can find a thing because you put a picture of it. Yeah. I I just, I don't understand. Like your, your, your common sense meter has to, is just have no juice in it. Those are the people that like tech, any level of technology is immediately magic. Yeah, yeah. They're just like, ah, That's fair. Just, <laughs> so, so he pays 10 grand for this thing. And within a year, um, they uh, are withdrawn from sale uh, after the National Law Enforcement and Corrections Technology Center investigated it and found it shockingly useless. Because we've done this before. It's the same yeah. thing. Um, so I think he bought it. So maybe he didn't know it was fake, but maybe he did and was going to do the same shit as the other guys and run the scam, which I'm still like, you had to pay 10 grand to do that. That seems crazy to me. You had like, yeah. And you must have had like, if that was your plan, like you must have had a lot of faith in your ability to repackage and resell this design. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, I don't think he did know. I I think he was a dummy. Stupid. But, But Jim does have himself a brilliant idea. He copies the OG golf finder, puts his company label on it, and markets it as the Advanced Detection Equipment 100, the ADE 100. There it is. So, he, so the one that he bought, we went out of business. He's like, I can't sell it. So then he goes and buys the very first thing that was based off of the fucking golf toy and just slaps a new label on it. And so now I'm like, no matter what you knew, you're yeah, a piece of yeah, shit. Yeah, now. yeah. And it's like. It- you just i don't know if you're going to resell the whole thing like you and you know that the company that you bought that one from is been shut down you have to know you have to yeah. know you, he, the, yeah. yeah so between 2005 and 2009 he actually designs a few different iterations of the device and tries to sell them 
The, the very next one, uh, in fact, the ADE 101, he was trying to sell for 7000 per unit. Jeez. All the articles talk about, like, that's what he charged or sold them for. Who knows yeah, if they bought it? Yeah. Because, that's, because that part of his story wasn't very prolific. There it is. So eventually he lands at, th- that's three, there it is. Wait, eventually when, lands, no, I have not, hold no, on. Two. I, two. When? When what did I say there it is the first time? I've been actively <laughs> gotta, not saying that word. I cannot wait until you listen to this. Dude, no way that's the second <laughs> yeah. time. I've said that. You say it as a breath. <laughs> <laughs> See, when, and that's fine. When you I don't even know when I <laughs> when I said it that time, I like in my head audibly was like, "Fuck!" I was like, "Damn it!" I said it. I said the word that I said a million times that last episode. That slipped out completely under the. Dude, radio. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he he makes a six fifty and then designs the six fifty one because that's just better. It has more numbers. It's higher. It's uh, a yeah, of course, device. it's a better device. The 651 is when Jimbo fucking strikes it rich. Uh, the Interior Ministry of Iraq, which oh is in a war right now, bought a total of 1,500 of these for 52 million pounds in the classic Iraq war procurement strategy of the famous no-bid contract. There it They're is. just like, oh, yeah, damn absolutely. It. Get it in. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Uh, it's a, it's such an Iraq war thing to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is in 2008, 2009. They did like a 900 and a 600 order, which means like they were like, okay, sick. I love these. Let's buy more of them. Give me them all. And they paid a fortune for them. Um, they sold for each one of these was 5,000 pounds. And God, then the man. additional money was training and, and distributors. Uh, the official included instructions told the users to, quote, shuffle their feet to generate static electricity to make the things work. <laughs> so, D, it does matter where his feet are. Dude, I want to, I would love to be at that, like, training room. It's just watching, it's just watching all these dudes shuffle their Shuffling feet their into feet. the ground. They're like, all right, I think I'm tuning in on the bomb. Yeah, now. or, or like, someone's like, oh, yeah, I carry this piece of shag carpet with you and just rub your hand on it really really fast my favorite part was that it does say in the quote to, to make the things work to the, just the like thing, very like technical a, yeah very it's like an mre saying it to lean against a rock or something uh the also that reminds me of uh like british public health information ha- uses common language so they'll say things like knob and wanker and oh, shit really? like so they're like you know you're you're dick and balls that's you know that's tight <laughs> uh yeah i think it's a really cool thing uh so they they the devices obviously can be used to work to detect explosives drugs ivory money dreams wishes anything hopes, yeah god know? probably angels god. <laughs> yeah. yeah ghosts obviously uh, these were used in Iraqi checkpoints all over the fucking country in an active fucking war zone. I, and in many places, completely replacing physical inspections. You would think that after a bunch of bombs and stuff and went off, after, when you got these, you'd be like, huh, these might not be cr- all they're cracked up like, to be. If they don't work, like when I buy something like that, I, my childish instinct is to be like, I don't know, let's let's put a bomb over there. Exactly, yeah. I'm know? like, like I, uh, no one did no that. No one did that. Whole- That's incredible. Uh, so, 
They were uh, used everywhere. Uh, quote, Major General Jihad al-Jabiri of the Interior Ministry's General Directorate for Combating Explosives has defended the device. I think this was from the BBC article. Uh, whether it's magic or scientific, what I care about is detecting bombs. I don't care what they say. I know mo- more about bombs than the Americans do. In fact, I know more about bombs than anybody in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the bomb expert. I was like, America just comes over with like a fucking plane with a nuclear warhead in it, and is like, "Here's your, here's your bomb." Like, what do you yeah. know about what do you know about bombs? Oh, you know about bombs? Yeah, you know about bombs. <laughs> I, I, but I was like, this guy's like, I don't give a fuck what they say. Yeah, I love that he. I know about bombs. If it's magic or or science, it's like, dude, that that quote right there should have told you that this might not be. <laughs> This might not I be mean, what you think it is. I mean, end to end, yeah. I know more about bombs than anyone in the world. I'm like, wait, I don't think so. I, I Anybody should be like, wait, no. No way. That's is like that someone right? who, no who gets one-upped on a conversation topic that they started, and then yeah. they're, like, trying to backpedal yeah. and, and yeah. save face. Uh, very Trumpian vibes from that. Yeah, point. 100%. I'm sure Trump said he knows more about bombs than anybody else. I uh, would be I will uh I would put money that he has. I would yeah, put a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh so the claim was also defended by the Iraqi interior minister as well. He said it had managed to prevent and detect 16,000 car bombs and over 733 car bombs were defused. I was like just say 734. Yeah, yeah, you don't yeah, get that. Yeah. That's so annoying. But also I was like that statement to me was truly terrifying because I was like, it probably, they probably did find all of those bombs. Just like, it's so like, cool. Oh, yeah, dude. it worked. They just looked at a random car and it did have I a mean, bomb in it. A broken, there were bombs dude, everywhere. A broken clock is right twice exactly. a day. So it's like, this thing's going to point them to a car and they're going to be like, oh, here we go. And there's actually a bomb in it. And they're just like, yeah, this is it. If this thing was a coin flip. That means it's missing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm like, holy fuck, <laughs> there were so many bombs everywhere. I was like, you know what? Maybe maybe Major General Jihad al-Shabiri of the Interior Ministry does know a lot about yeah. bombs. That's a lot of bombs. Um, the Interior Minister of Iraq claimed the derision against it was due to Iraq's market for the device being so competitive and other manufacturers were trying to sully the ADE 651's golden reputation. There, yeah. And I'm like, why are you getting... <laughs> I almost said it. Yeah, I caught myself. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't count. Yeah, you got it out. Um, I, I'm like, why would you care about the device so much that you would defend it? Dude, it's, so weird. it's one of those things where you've like... You you put a lot of faith into something, and you are a hundred percent sure that like this is what it's supposed yeah. to be, and this is what it is. And then when someone talks shit about it, like you don't like say, "Oh, maybe I should look a little more into this." You just dig your heels into the ground and you know fight. Yeah. What I wondered was if either of those people had ever used one of the things, or if it was just reports. And because what like we're saying, this is this is what's weird, and I hadn't really thought about it until we're talking about it now, but like. Man, if Iraq has so many fucking bombs, like it would be really easy to to trick these results because they are finding shit all That's the true. fucking time. But yeah. they could also just have like a dirty old man throw like seeds in a bucket every time, and you know, and he's like that one, and <laughs> just find reading, bombs all the time. Eating chicken bones, and it's like, yeah, yeah. there's one here. 
so the government of Colima, uh, which is a state in Mexico, as I'm sure you knew, of course. I knew that obviously yeah. of the 32 states in Mexico, that is one of them. Yeah. Uh, he, they bought a single ADE651 for a whopping $60,000. Christ, dude. This guy's oh. making money, baby. So, uh, McCormick himself, Jamie, that's James. I don't know why I changed his name like that, but also I always do that. Yeah, same. <laughs> uh, he he claims that over 20 countries have purchased the device, including the Saudis, the Belgians, and Hong Kong, which, if is true, horrifying. Horrifying news. Uh, the Belgian thing, I did manage to confirm. It was used in a municipal region there to detect drugs, and in the Karachi airport in Pakistan, it was used as a bomb detector. Such a versatile did device. Did it find any drugs? I bet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the Karachi airport? Fucking probably. What, what, year, what year did this thing happen again? Uh, the Iraqis bought it in 2008 and 2009. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, but, he, you know, I, he started his whole op in, like, 2003 or something okay. like that. Uh, so, doesn't it ha- feel really old-timey? Yeah, I was going to say, I, I was going to say, if this is pre- I was shocked. If this is, like, I was pretty surprised. pre-9-11 and stuff, then, you know, this you're going to... Yeah, so you're going to find drugs, because everybody was trafficking drugs to the airport, but now, yeah. I mean, you got all... Yeah, okay. So a New York Times investigation came out in 2009 about the devices. Uh, the U.S. military, which is, you know, has its issues, was not about this shit because the U.S. military doesn't want to get exploded. It pays a lot of money for all its bullshit, and it doesn't want things to explode. So it actually wants the things that it buys to find the explodies to work. If you if you are purchasing a piece of military equipment that the U.S. military will not touch, there's something wrong. Oh, there is, yeah. There is that is garbage. yeah that is a telltale sign that it is not good equipment. Because, granted, the U.S. military purchases more military equipment than anybody in the world, but, you know, uh, does it get distributed to their soldiers? Not all the time. But still, they spend buku bucks on war. And if the U.S. Army won't touch it, then don't fucking, don't mess with it. Dick Cheney doesn't even want to launder government money with it. Yeah, it's it's, not worth it. It's garbage. Uh, so they weren't about it. They were confident the device didn't work. And the Sandia National Labs, uh, which is a famous testing lab that around like nuclear testing and, and weapons, uh, concluded from their testing that it performed no better than random chance. Yeah. But it didn't perform worse than yeah. random chance. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's true. Uh, so the New York Times investigation had a driver who was licensed to carry a firearm drive two AKs and ammo through nine police checkpoints where the device was used without being detected. Damn. I, th- I thought it was funny that the article specified that they were licensed carry yeah. firearm because I was like, otherwise it's kind of like we are yeah, just smuggling actually doing a, doing a, Yeah, doing a crime. Uh, weirdly, the Iraqi civilians at the time complained that the device was way too attracted to shampoo and soap suds. What? <laughs> Isn't that weird? These uh, Iraqi police said that they stopped people with perfume the most. They were like, "Yeah, it's the perfume. Yeah, uh, if you've got perfume, it. the device is gonna yeah, get it. Yeah, it's gonna get you." Did the dude in the terrorist? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like. That was really weird, and I was like, I feel like that is an indication of the police bias. But I was like, why are they going for clean people? What's I, that about? I don't know. Well, maybe it's 
maybe it's like a, a, a smell thing. Like they like they smell it, and for some reason in their head, maybe it's like not they're not it's not a common scent. They're like this is this smells weird. This is off, and our bomb detector's telling us to go over here, so we're good. Yeah, if that makes any fucking I sense. I don't or know. they think, or that like maybe. I wonder if they just looked at people who were cleaner more. Like it's kind of like a socioeconomic status indicator. You yeah, know? that's and true. They were just like they went to go bother or talk to the, the pretty ladies who bathed more or also some shit true. like that. Um, according to Jimmy, the, he said that because the perfume this happened as a false positive because the perfume had traces very minute. Of RDX, which is an explosive agent in C4. Naturally, duh. yeah. Duh. Of yeah. course, the, the perfume is just laced with C4. Yeah, because uh, the 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 cur- the manufacturer of cologne that I wear also does businesses in with countries selling explosives. Uh, that the same being said, chemical. I would not be surprised if Axe Body Spray was in actual weapons. That's true. <laughs> that would that not, would not surprise me at all. <laughs> Uh, a known magi- magician and scientific skeptic at the time, James Randi, offered anyone at ATSC one million fucking dollars to prove that the device worked, and no one ever responded. And I'm like, dude, if you can, th- it's easy money. It's easy yeah. money if it works. Go up and do it. Yeah. I mean, I, that kind of shit I think is pretty telling. It's um, yeah, because it, wait, he said he'd offer a million dollars for someone to prove the device doesn't work. Oh, that it works. That it works. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he's a skeptic, yeah. and he yeah, was like, yeah, yeah. Prove that's it, fair. Prove it. That's fair. Uh, the Israelis similarly were similar, uh, not having any of that shit. They their experts concluded it did basically nothing. Called it a big fraud. Uh, the head of an Israeli security firm actually specifically said the claim at face value that you can electronically smell explosives dozens of meters away is just not physically possible. And he's like, you should know that's a scam just from the claim of what it yeah, does. You fucking nerds, you dumb, stupid, dummy idiots. And I'm like, does no one in the Iraqi government know what they're buying? How did this happen? I could not understand how they bought so many of these for so much money. Like, mm. Who's what? Where are the experts? I don't. You know, know what man. I mean. I feel like I feel like people who are in charge of buying equipment and stuff like that. And You're not, right. Stupid question. Yeah, they not don't know all the time. Shit. Don't know a fucking single thing. Dude, like, it's my not, job is to sell the stuff to those people, yeah, and they don't know and anything. It, it's not like you're. It's not like people who are on the ground with the equipment are the ones buying it. It's people who listen to a guy on the phone say, "Yeah, this will do great things," and it does this, okay. and, and they're like, "That sounds great." That's what like what the army Amazing. does. That's what they do. They buy this fucking equipment and then they give it to. So I was when I was in the army, we tested new equipment that the army had bought uh, and didn't know if it worked, so it needed to be field tested. Um, and they had already bought the equipment and just gave it to us. And we're like, go out and see if this works, and that's what we did. Um, yeah. and it sucked. It was. I remembered what I was trying to... It was the 1923 Great Kanto Earthquake, which is a kind of a big disaster. So that's why I was wrong. But that like changed the course of Japan's history. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Basically started I, was, I was wondering I was wondering if that was a it. huge disaster. Because you, you said it was like a smaller disaster, and I was like, oh, I was like, it can't be that, because that fucking... Yeah, no, that was a yeah, monster. That was a monster of a disaster. Of a disaster. Uh, 
So then, so in 2010, BBC's Newsnight ran its own investigation on the bomb detector. They used the Cambridge University Computer Lab to assess the detection cards, which... The cards contained only a three cent RFID shoplifting tag. Oh, really? Right. So I, yeah. like, I was like, did they have like a banana? Cambridge University is like, it's that. Yeah. <laughs> you can get these at Target, like anything you like. It's like a bedazzled fucking magnet strip. Yeah. Uh, the expert made sure to specify that you cannot find TNT with an RFID tag. The device had no processor, no memory, no programming, no information on it, no nothing. Damn, no this thing must be lightweight as hell. Dude, <laughs> Dude I mean, let me, didn't I, I thought, I, oh, I didn't give you the picture. Oh, like, okay, it, yeah, it, I was wondering what it looked like. It looks so fucking fake, and it is really light. It's five ounces. It's just a plastic Dude, toy. If, if you if you handed me that and were and and yes! it was that lightweight yes. and I you were like this can detect bombs, I'd be like, no, there's no way. Dude, You're lying. I, I'm like I don't know, maybe I don't want to sound fucking full of myself, but I'm like no fucking way you could convince me this worked. Yeah. No way. So I would be like What? No wait, look, it just swings that, around. There's it, no motor yeah, in it. It looks like, like it looks like it, 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 it. I mean, it looks like it doesn't do anything. Like I've had, yeah, it doesn't even look like it contain a device yeah, in it. I've like I've worked with like I had to do a whole like x amount of month long course on mind detection, and we used um we used the mind detectors that you hold that look like metal detectors, and those one were fucking heavy, and two there was like a ton of steps you had to take. To make sure, like you had to, like you swung it around, and if you got a noise, and you had to change the uh, frequency for depth, and then it was just like, there's no fucking way opened. that thing would, yeah. would. do. Oh yeah, dude, I don't understand. I'm like, I don't even. Why did so many people fall for it? So like, okay, sure, the people who buy it, whatever, ignore them. They're morons. But then there are dudes whose lives are on the line. Like the bomb could be at their checkpoint. You know, they're looking for bombs. And they're like, oh, absolutely, totally. Uh, it, yeah, it's, it's it's one of those things that's probably like trust in your in in your government, which is you should never do, um, never. to give you the proper equipment. And when it happened to find a bomb, it solidified their oh, uh, being yeah. like, yeah, yeah, this works. That's true, yeah. man. So, um, yeah, the. Uh, it was, oh, the card reader part of it, where you put the stupid fucking picture, um, was, of course, an empty plastic box. There I want to see the pictures that they used for, did they, I wonder if they <laughs> sold a picture kit of, like, different various, like, drugs oh. and bombs and stuff that you could, you could have an add-on. I was trying to find more pictures or of if the you kit. had a you had a cut and copy, cut and paste your own pictures of drugs and, and bombs. Some of the kits look pretty janky. My thing is, the margins on this device are outrageous. And I'm like, I would be dumping shit into this to make it look legit. Yeah, yeah. I'd be putting tungsten grips in the weight, or, you know, yeah, just to yeah. make it I'd be like, I put weights heavier. in there. Yeah. Fucking, I don't know, make it have a laser on it. I'd yeah. put, like, a fucking whatever. A this flashlight so something, bro. This thing looks like, it looks like the the head nozzle of, like, a Roundup sprayer. Oh yeah, this that you reminded me of the picture. 
this was a picture of one of the kits, but I, I and I looked when I saw it. I was like, "Show me one of those cards. I've got to." Yeah, see I want to see what those look like. Uh, this might be a later iteration that like scans a barcode. I think that might be what he did because I don't. Oh. I, I can see on those cards. Maybe I don't know, but yeah, there's there's like really there's a barcode there. Oh yeah, here's. I also wanted to buy one of these kits uh, really bad because I thought it would be hilarious, but uh, it's kind of a hard thing to find it, to buy. Oh, yeah, I can uh, imagine. Uh, so, old Jimmy, of course, was blocking out the haters, yeah. saying he's been dealing with doubters for a decade, which is true, and the criticism was because of its primitive appearance, which is also similarly true. Also very true, true yeah. Yeah. To assuage those doubts, however, he assured everybody that they were working on a model that has flashing lights. Oh, there it is. <laughs> uh, so he helped to sell the lie by saying that he had four labs in Romania and two in the UK working in isolation to protect the sensors. And he also claimed and hinted that he had a James Bond Q-like expert that helped to develop the product. Of you know, course. It was, uh, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, Jimmy was arrested that month <laughs> <laughs> that the article came out coincidentally on suspicion of fraud. Um, I did I couldn't figure out why, but two years later he was finally charged with the three counts of fraud. I didn't know it would be so long between yeah, those yeah. things. And, and t- but it wasn't that long that for them to ban the devices from export. Um, so it was the same year that okay. they banned them. Yeah, that's good. So. Jimmy got reamed in court. No um, whist- whistleblowers at the company knew that the devices did nothing and had, in fact, approached James about it. His reply, they do what they're supposed to do. <laughs> make money. Yeah. <laughs> James, why would I you did. say that? At least, I mean... Like, you know, we've talked about, a, like, Artur... He kept it all close to the chest, mm-hmm. you know. He didn't. Nobody knew. He about knew. It. That he knew fun. that if 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 somebody else knew about it, that most plans crumble because someone. The gold scam fell apart yeah. because of that dude blackmailed yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. Because he told him. Um, so yeah, I mean, he just came out and said it. He's like, "Hey, baby, go buy yourself a Ferrari." Yeah. <laughs> In total, over 6,000 of the devices were bought in Iraq and were sold worldwide in hostile environments where their use was critically needed. It is suspected that the 2009 October and December Baghdad bombings, which killed like over 300 people, were in part missed because the vehicles were looked over by ADE-651s. Jesus. There was also one incident where terrorists drove through, or freedom fighters, I didn't look up to see whose side they were on, uh, (laughs) drove through 23 of the checkpoints in Baghdad with a vehicle just full of rockets and missiles. (laughs) Just full. That's crazy. And and like, I I don't know. Do we look in every vehicle on the U.S. Mexico border? Do they look in them? I. Away, right? They couldn't. I don't know. Th- I, I don't know. I I think I think they might once over the vehicle with uh hold on. Once over the vehicle with like a mirror or something like that, but I don't I don't think so. I could be wrong. I know whenever I would leave El Paso and you cuz when you leave El Paso no matter which route you take, rain. you got to go through a, a border checkpoint like with border patrol and they would just be like, "Are you a citizen?" You'd be like, "Yeah." And they'd be like, "All right, see you later." But I'm also a white guy, so that could be very different for somebody that is not yeah. that guy. 
uh, I know the, when, when we I did see here that they do uh, only random inspections. Yeah, because when I was on Gate Guard at Fort Bliss, we didn't look at every car. We pulled random cars over to check. So they drove a whole fucking Dude, truck yeah. full of missiles around, and I'm like, I guess it. I mean, it gets it just isn't feasible to look at everyone. I'm sure, but I would want to. I would really I, want yeah, to. I would feel safer. <laughs> and you just pop the back open yeah, real quick as you're truck, driving yeah. away. Even I mean, I can even pull uh, this flap over and see. Just give me a second. Yeah, uh, ATSC obviously never tested any one of these fucking devices obviously because if they did they would not work and then they'd have proof they didn't work and the dude made fucking millions he bought nicholas cage's former house what really he was making a lot of money off of this that's crazy he bought a six hundred thousand pound yacht not its weight it's how much it cost (laughs) uh i actually kept writing lp lb and i was like no no Uh, He bought houses in Cyprus, in Florida, and he bought three horses for one of his kids. Nice. Um, He didn't just make money. He got fucking rich. Dude, Dude, the Iraq war was such a Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. flying around. Anybody who had their toes dipped in the Iraq war that wasn't a ground fighter made a lot of money. Think about this, though. Nicholas Cage sold that house. Well, actually, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't direct. Yeah. So whoever sold him this house, they don't lose the money. They have. They made their money. Yeah. Yeah. He's the one who's going to get in trouble for this. Yeah. I'm like, you made Iraq War blood scam money, money, dude. Blood That's scam horrible. money. Yeah. Um. They they had the the court had uh over fucking whelming evidence that they he knew what he was doing. Yeah. So his appeal was rejected. And uh, he profited enormously off the defrauding of people whose lives were in danger. Uh, and they were pissed about it. Like The court told him, like, you have blood on your hands. Good. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. They froze 15 million pounds of his assets and then ordered him to give up nearly 8 million pounds, which included uh, 2.3 million of which was to go back to pay back uh, Iraq. It's so insane in, to be in a position where you have a court order to pay back pay a, a fucking country. government. Yeah, a, yeah. a fucking country. Yeah, that's insane. And, that's fucking insane. <laughs> also, I mean, maybe that's how much money he had. I bet that was most of his money. Because yeah. I, I, I was like, he made $50 million, but who knows how that works. I can't so. imagine he kept all of it. Like, there's yeah, no way. So, even more insane um, after this. He was convicted in 2013. In 2015, a Russian airliner flying out of Egypt exploded in midair. Um, the cause has never been officially confirmed. It's widely suspected to be bombing. Yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of like residue and whatnot um, at the hotel where the guests stayed, and their luggage was shipped directly to the airliner. Luggage was searched using the ADE six fifty one. Oh shit! Which I'm like, holy fuck. fuck! Yeah, holy fuck! These these are I never even thought about them circulating. Still. No, yeah, I was like, yeah. oh okay, steam's up, you know. And everybody but no, got rid of are, them. These are still floating around out there. Um, in 2018, he got his uh, prison stay extended another two years because he didn't pay the minimum on his payments, and uh, then he got out early in what? 2019. Couldn't fucking find out why. He just got out early. Did I say that he was sentenced to 10 years? Yeah, yeah. He got the max of 10 years, but he didn't. He only ended up serving six. That's... With an extra two years added, so he's supposed to have 12. Bro, I no, I feel like. <laughs> Like people, ten years for literally probably hundreds of people—not literally, but 
10 years for not probably, but literally hundreds of people dying because you were, you wanted to make money and defrauded an entire country. No. And like that's just the bombs that you missed that exploded. Like the missile truck, they use those missiles later. Like yeah. who knows how many people those killed? You know, wow. like holy shit. Uh, so he got out early. I couldn't fucking figure out why. He was interviewed after releasing, uh, after release, living in his six hundred thousand pound nice house that he lives in, of course, in Somerset. Claiming to be penniless, uh, but still kind of sounding like he didn't do anything wrong, and he sort of hinted that he might appeal the decision. Dude, what? I was like, Dude, you're the worst. Yeah, you're a you fucking. Are you are literally. It's it's a thing. I think we mentioned last episode. It's like when you're that attracted to money, like you you. There's no way you can be a, a, a good person. Like you didn't make yeah. that money, you know, le- legitimately and. And no. like, granted, I want I want to have a lot of money so I don't have to work to survive. But like, I can't imagine. I'm not willing to kill yeah, if someone it. was like, yeah, all you have to do is tell them that this, Children. yeah, this detects bombs and they'll buy it from you. And I'm like, does it really though? And they're like, no, I couldn't be like, oh yeah, fine, that sounds great, cool. Yeah, seriously. Um, so uh, that was kind of the end of his story. I so I. But when I was reading about it, I found an article about this link or, or that had a link to they were like, you can buy these copies uh, online still. But the copies weren't there still. Uh, but then I got looking and you can buy bomb detecting equipment just on the Internet. Alibaba sells whole ass real bomb detectors. Really? Yeah, some of there are almost certainly fakes mixed in, but like some of the I was reading about some of the shit they were selling. I was like, oh my god, these are actually yeah, these are lead. Oh man, full on. Yeah, new 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 uh, video idea. We buy Alibaba bomb detecting equipment (laughs) and try to detect (laughs) bombs. (laughs) And man, one of them was this twenty three thousand dollar Russian handheld explosive trace detector and every single other uh detector i saw was like the size of a at least like the body of a vacuum and i was like ah well, i've seen what russian yeah, tech is like no now thing. i'm, a little I'm good yeah. that, one. <laughs> that might so be just the same thing this guy was selling Oh, I mean, truly. Uh, My message to our viewers is uh, if you're going to buy bomb detecting equipment, you should see that it works. Yeah, or or if you're like, shit, I already spent the money, it's on its way. Just like run a like a, a little practice run, like get some. Don't you don't have to build a bomb, yeah, you know? Fireworks, yeah, you know? fireworks, something like that, some kind of key component, you know, and and test your equipment. Uh, and if it doesn't work, then don't implement it in real time use. Uh, didn't think you'd also, I mean, so maybe that one was cheaper because it was, or expensive because it was small, but the one that I saw and actually did research on was from like a real company and used real technology, uh, was see how much bigger it is, but it's also cheaper. Oh, the, the. Uh, which one? Did you send it to me? Hold on. Long range. Oh. Is this the one you just sent? Yes. Yeah. The long range okay. one. Yeah. The the mind detecting. That's, that's what a real one looks like. Fucking hell! Fifteen thousand dollars. The the yeah. 
the mind, uh, the bomb detecting equipment I used in the army was called the mine hound. Um, and it looks like if you handed me a mine hound and I had no idea what it was and you were like, this thing detects bombs, I would look at that thing and be like, all right, yeah, that checks out. That looks yeah. like it detects bombs. Uh, but yeah. yeah so now my, I, you can buy all sorts of crazy shit on the internet. Dude, the internet's a wonderful place. Fascinating. Wonderful. Uh, place. But yeah, that's, that's the end of the story of James McCormick. He basically doesn't feel bad at all, but at least he lost all of his money. So, so he says, know. but still lives in a yeah. nice house or whatever. At least a nice house. Yeah. I think he should be literally penniless. Yeah. Hopefully. Or at least in prison for the whole fucking sentence. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I wonder how he got out early. Fucking, I don't know. Bananas. Probably Joe Biden. Fucking Joe Biden coming in here and <laughs> he letting... let the English prisoner out. <laughs> that's a but, good episode. Uh, yeah. One hour. Yeah, I agree. That was one hour and fifty-one minutes. Oh, that was a long. Yeah, one. Yeah, that was a long one. Yeah, I. Uh, I'm I, ready to eat again. Okay, well, uh, we'll be back next week with a will. new episode. Um, I th- I don't know. The story I'm covering next week is. Also fairly long, so we'll see. Can I just do a short one? I could probably that that one I told you about that I couldn't find a lot on would yeah. be a short one. Like how I could short? Just cut like two pages. Two to three pages would be great because mine. I'm All already right. at like six pages for those other ones, and I still need to read over the emails between those two people. Oh my uh, god! But it's Maybe funny. It yeah. It's funny. I'm excited. It's yeah, funny. it'll be good. Um, so we'll be back next week. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, download. We'll see you guys then. Be safe. Be kind to others. Be kind to yourself. We love you so much. Bye bye.